Path of Night is an actual play Vampire the Masquerade podcast set in the world of darkness. We're all friends, we're here to have fun, but our story can include graphic violence, drug use, sexual content, and other mature themes. Content warnings can be found in the show notes. We talk at our table about safety, comfort, and consent, both as players and storytellers. We know what to expect, we're all excited to be here, and we want you to feel the same. So listener discretion is advised. Now, let's walk the path of night. Last time on Path of Night. The Quarterie continued updating each other despite the tension. They discussed plans to combat the Sabbat invasion and to discover the mole in the city. Neil received a terrible vision of disaster in New York City. Once they had it home, Wen and Miles tried to come to terms with each other. Some nights have passed, and yet again, you have received bad news. This time it was a gas station. It was hit. Shabbat rolled through, thoroughly violated the masquerade, and butchered four people. And the way that these people were butchered, it is grisly, bloody, body parts slung around the interior of the gas station, glass broken, The place is ransacked, money specifically torn from the register and left behind, as though they wanted to make it immensely clear that they are not driven by mortal ambition, that they came strictly for the purposes of mutilating mortals, taking their lives, and harming your masquerade. The police that are present were on Upton's payroll, are on Miles's payroll. In addition to this, though four people were killed, three were left as witnesses, and the things they're describing are awful. The police officers are taking notes, but occasionally they look over their shoulder towards you two, baffled. In this case, they talk about a man clad in black, the jingle of spurs, and four others that were with him, all four of them perfectly identical, dressed in musty, raggedy clothes, and impossibly violent. These people are shaken, terrified. Police officers approach the two of you, and when, as the person that they are directed to turn this information over to, they provide you with the reports... Uh, they gave you a quick show of the robbery and shooting that took place, the, essentially the report that they're going to be giving, and they start collecting the witnesses so that they can be silenced. The police officer looks at the two of you. How do you want to handle these three? Question. So there was a total of seven? Yes. Or there, okay. I just want to make sure that we're not looking at three people who have been embraced. 
Right. There's no one embraced. Okay. Wynn kind of considers for a moment. Give me a minute, she says to the cops, and she makes a quick phone call to Miles. Miles here. Wynn here. So there's three witnesses here. They could probably... They have graphic memories and details. I don't want the Sabbat's influence to spread further and have to kill these fuckers. Are you or someone in the clan willing to deprogram them as to what they saw? Yes. Get them on my schedule. We will get them payment for what they've seen, basically. We need to take statements. And we'll come down and we'll I give, have... them, give them some money and maybe get rid of some of that memory for them. I have all the statements. I think it would just be better if they had been at Dunkin' Donuts instead of this place. We can do something like that. It just gets them more pliable to come to a, a place. I just don't know if I have the time right now. Okay. Um, My initial thought was, hey, hey, we have... Someone who specializes in this kind of trauma, Dr. Davenport, I'll make an appointment for you to see him as soon as possible. Perfect. All right. I've always wanted to be a doctor. I don't know. That's a that's a lot of dealing with other people. I, I just mean that PhD. Ah, fair enough. All right. Thanks, man. Um, and she hangs up and she goes back to the cops. Johnny puts a hand on her shoulder after she hangs up the phone. You know, I know you're a little bit new to this sheriff business. Um, and I'm not telling you how to run things, but Miles doesn't need to know about every one of these incidents. Miles knew about this one because I thought he could do something to help. Oh, I know. That's the only reason. I'm just pointing out that uh, we also can tag other people. Reese and the Tremere can send somebody to do this. I'm sure they could. And keeping Davenport out of anybody's ear is going to be a good idea. All right. Then he will be some doctor something else. All right. So when taps Johnny on the shoulder like okay tap put me in boss I'm ready to play and she goes over to the cops and the victims uh, thank you all for your witness statements I know you've all been through an awful lot we have contact with a very specific trauma doctor who is going to be able to help you all figure out how to move forward from this um, and she kind of hand takes out a like a sticky notepad she probably got it from Johnny and jots down, okay, I'm going to have send you to Dr. Brokenhanden. And he used to be a proctologist. Now he's a psychiatrist. And she hands... I whimper and nod, accepting. And I want you to know we're going we're gonna to make this as right for you as we can. Thank you for being willing to share your stories. The police officers run them up. And right. they're actually going to take them away. Um, she looks to the police officers, put a guard outside their houses for the next few nights until they can see the good doctor. Understood. And then when pockets her notepad and heads in to get a look at the scene. We don't have to get like super grisly if it's not necessary, but what kind of message are they sending with this? Just wanton violence or was there some sort of method to this madness? So, for example, one of the victims was held down over the counter and treated as though they were being bone crafted apart. But they didn't use vicissitude. They simply pulled chunks from them and tossed them over their shoulder. So in various aisles, there are pieces of a person. And on the counter itself remains the majority of a torso. 
some of these bodies, they're so mixed up and chopped up and mutilated that it took a little while for them to figure out exactly how many people had died. Was the county coroner on site or anything? Oh, yeah. There was like a whole crew that came through. And then as things winded down, there's there's ta- the area is taped off. But as things winded down, it was kind of left to just a handful of police officers. They kept the witness. Probably, witnesses probably weighed longer than they ever would. But that was largely to check in with you and see what you wanted done with them. After a few moments of wind looking things over, you hear uh, Johnny stepping through the, the door, his boots crunching on some of the glass from the broken windows, and you hear him take out his Zippo, and I hear a, a quick clink-clink as he lights up a cigarette. Wynn continues kind of, just kind of surveying the carnage. Appreciation is the wrong word, like, by a long shot. But academically looking into, like, just the mindset of the people who would do this to another person. Like, how how far do you have to slip to be capable of something like this? Understanding but not comprehending sort of situation. Um, it's inhuman. It is. What they did. And she just kind of, after a moment, she kind of crosses her arms and thinks for a minute. Aside from the brutality, are there any messages left behind perhaps symbols painted on the walls or things that that scream sabat on the counter itself carved into it with like a claw you can see a sabat ankh kind of scratched into it beyond that there really isn't anything left there's no there was clearly like it's not like they performed any rites here there's no like sermons of cain scrawled in blood on the wall or anything like that it's it was it was basically a very strategic they're trying to break mess. Out. They're breaking our masquerade. They're not actually looking to blow up their own. Exactly. They they are attempting to strain local Camarilla resources by making targeted massive masquerade violations. Johnny, are you in contact with um, any of Miles' resources? Yep. Here's what how I think I want to handle this. All right, give me the lowdown. My goal is to diminish the Sabbat's influence on this city at every possible level. I would like this building demolished. I would like a sign put up outside that said, oops, there was a spider. And I would like this to be treated as just a demolition. Oops, there was a spider? Yep. I want to trivialize this. I wanted the Sabbat to know people are laughing at them. Can I give you a counterpoint to that? You absolutely can. The Sabbat don't really care what people think about them. They clearly care what we think about them, Johnny. I don't think they do. I think this is really a targeted tactic to stretch our resources thin. We can can have this building demolished, absolutely. But that is going to be costly. It's going to cause some amount of disquiet in the uh, neighborhood. Especially considering the fact that I... uh, I think I've already seen a little stack of uh, candles outside uh, of this place for uh, some of the victims. So having a, a, uh, a building demolished and a sign put up saying, oops, there was a spider, is going to make people upset. Were there actually candles outside? I don't see why not. That's fine. Okay. I will say people certainly know that 
that people uh, died people here. People died here. Oh, okay, then well, you, you we're not like going to do that. You know, like the the stack of like Jesus candles that always kind of pop out near a, an accident, like a local bodega. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. The real problem here. Well, if is there's that, if there's people who know the people who died, we're not going to make light of it. Yeah. But we, I think, the least amount of resources this could cost us is a wrecking ball. Regardless, the Sabbat. They're attacking the minds of the people who live in the domain, the mortals. Mm-hmm. And that's damage that is then falling onto the head of the prince. What is your suggestion otherwise? We need to start engaging the Sabbat directly. That's not helpful in this moment right now. I know. Okay, so do you have a suggestion for what to do about this blood and guts covered building right now, other than what I've suggested? Johnny's expression kind of cracks into one of, like, just kind of sympathy. And, like, his shoulders just kind of sink. Because I don't disagree with you. But that's not the problem we're dealing with here on site. You are putting the cart before the horse. No, I'm just pointing out the reality that there's... The reason this tactic works is there's not a whole lot we can do about it. Other than putting a band-aid on it by wiping these people's minds. And it sucks. It does. I'm not going to get bent out of shape about this. Because if I stop and I grieve every single person that Sabat kills, I'm not going to do anything else. All I'm saying is, when you're, you're trying a little bit hard, too hard at this job, the shitty thing about being a sheriff is that a lot of times, it's just accepting that this is going to happen. You want to be this job and the Seneschal? No. Then stop. I am willing to hear if you have actual productive suggestions. I trust your knowledge of the Sabbat tactics. I will listen to you when we are engaging them directly. But in the cleanup afterward, we have to be able to move on because there is a whole onslaught coming that we have to be ready for. And I will grieve about them after that's done. Right. Um... Which is why I'm just saying, don't put too much energy into any one of these attacks. That's why I'm knocking the building down. That's more energy than it's necessary, Wynn. What would you suggest otherwise, Johnny? Leave it. Reopen it? Yeah. Leave it for mortals to stumble upon and and lengthen the Sabbat's influence? No, I'm not doing that either. The owner of the building is going to clean it up. We're going to pretend that this was just an unfortunate accident, and life is going to continue as normal. No, we're going to pay off the owner. Because that's the one thing we have in abundance is apparently money. And we're going to wipe it clean. We rebuild afterwards. If you think that's the, the best course of action, I'll stick by you. I'm just telling you. I am I'm not. Give, I'm giving you an opposing opinion. That's all. I appreci- You're the sheriff. I appreciate the opposing opinion. In this case, I think we just need to destroy it and move on. We're going to be destroying a lot of buildings in New Haven then. When? What is your suggestion Practically, that's not going to further the Sabbat influence. That's not going to show more people the monsters that are in the dark. Ignoring this, I think, is the better way to, to diminish their influence. Taking this building down and leaving a gap tooth in this neighborhood is going to remind people consistently that this happened. Okay, so instead of demolishing, we get a cleaning crew under our umbrella in here. I mean, that's that was going to be the owner's going to do that regardless. I don't I don't really want the owner to know or remember what goes on here. (sighs) 
We could pay to have a cleaning crew come in. Um, you tell me which is more cost effective and labor intensive. Paying to have a cleaning crew come in and just take care of this would be the more cost effective than having than buying the building off, demolishing it, and rebuilding, finding a new owner and tenants. Then let's get a night cleaning crew to come in tonight and clean it up so the owner can get back to shit tomorrow. Agreed? Agreed. All right. Then I'll get on the phone with Miles. Do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Give the Tremere something to do. I don't like it when they're left to their own devices. What if, Tremere? Call Reese. No. Tell tell Reese to put somebody on, on the job to make sure that the city is safe. I'm not going to do that. Why not? Why Why would I, Johnny? Give me a reason. Because what is he doing if he's not protecting the city? Not being here fucking around and turning people against us. It's not in his own interest to turn people against us. It is his own interest to protect the masquerade. It is very much in his own interest to erode mo- support for Miles. Well, then he can do that if he's not... If we don't give him a task, then that's all he's going to be doing. I'm but not we, involving the Tremere in this. When what you, you do as Seneschal is your job, but there is nothing that I will choose to bring the Tremere in on. The only Tremere that I was close to trusting is staked in Miles' estate. We have to use and trust that clan. If we don't, they are going to be our enemies. I'm sorry you feel that way. Moving forward, I'm going to go call Miles about that cleaning crew. You do what you need to do. When? What? We only have so much time, resource, and ability. And yet you're standing here arguing with me about it. I'm not arguing with you about it. I'm trying to make you see that we have to use all the resources we have, which is sometimes tapping people we don't like. You can tap whoever you want. It is not within the office of the sheriff to need whatever the Tremere have at this point. If you as the Seneschal demand that I find a Tremere, I'm going to go unstake the fella in our house. All right, when Johnny looks at his watch. I'll let you handle I'll, I'll let you handle this the best way you think. I got somewhere I got to be. Then go do it. He drops the cigarette and puts it out with his boot and uh walks out of the uh convenience store. Wynn goes and gives Miles a call about the nighttime cleaning service. Johnny, where you headed? Johnny heads out to uh, the truck he uh, took to get here, hops in, and starts driving to a small little uh, section of storage units on the outskirts of town. He um, gets there probably about like five minutes before he is uh, scheduled to be there, parks the truck, gets out and opens up the uh, storage unit and takes a look inside. Revealing a small little cachet that the Camarilla has kind of placed all around the city, filled with supplies. Looks like there's a selection of weapons, armor, briefcases that have small little drops of money in them, first aid supplies, all kinds of things that someone might need in any kind of emergency situation. And he kind of goes through and makes sure to remove anything that is strictly for the, the aid of kindred gets any kind of, like, 
little, uh, you know, booklets of numbers and things like that, privy to the domain and kind of sashes them into like a little, uh, a little bag that he brings with him and takes all of that sensitive material out, leaving just kind of the, the emergency supplies for someone to either hold out or make war and, and puts the sensitive stuff back in the truck and waits for someone else to arrive at the, uh, meetup. You wait for about 10 minutes and eventually the Jeep Blazer pulls up and four people get out of the car, all of them mobile and healed. At the head of the group is Jesse. Johnny just kind of breaks over to her, immediately just scoops her up into a bear hug and just holds her tight to him. She returns the hug and... It's as though the other three really recognize the importance of the moment because they don't make any effort to talk, not even to each other or interrupt the moment. And they just kind of let Jessica have her moment with her dad. As he's just kind of holding her tight to him, he just reflexively has spent some of his own vitae to be able to just sob. And he kind of just like has this sucking kind of like breath that it's been a while since he's forgotten that he doesn't need to breathe. And when he finally puts her down, he's he's wiping copious amounts of blood out of his face and I imagine even probably some coming out of his nose and things like that. And he kind of like chuckles to like play off the fact that he's just a, like a, a mess looking at a daughter. Oh, look at that. <sighs> I'd like to say it's allergies. <laughs> how, you, how you doing, kid? She gives a tearful laugh in response to uh, your manliness. <laughs> and <laughs> Sheer force of brawn. <laughs> sheer, sheer force of brawn. And kind of goes back to hugging you for just like an extra moment before she really lets go. He, he pulls her in tight and kind of takes a second while she's just hugging him. To look up at the other three. Uh, I wasn't sure if the rest of you were going to make it. Well, we have a friend who is able to uh, help us recover quickly, Suarez says. Kind of a little cagey with his response, but for understandable reasons. I would like to thank you for helping us back there. The whatever is going on, it was, it was felt globally contacts that we have around the world are talking about it even still something has changed in a profound and terrible way and whatever it is you know the i think it's i think it's the awakening of one of the eldest amongst my kind we call them antediluvians but i should warn you that in some circles they'd kill me for saying that jessica seems to kind of commit that to memory Ramirez heads over and is like, where's mine? And he gives you like a hug. <laughs> yeah. Johnny kind of smiles at him and like ruffles his hair a bit. My favorite cabbie. Glad to see you're still all right, Ramirez. My favorite customers. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you all know, that house, the one that you were planning on hitting, it houses a, a piece of the flesh of this eldest. There are pieces of that flesh all around the Northeast and they're starting to wake up and do things that we don't understand. Dad, I saw something. Johnny looks at her, square I, in the eyes. I'm not going to over-explain, but what I do 
has me tapped into the mind of humanity, the collective. And I think the collective showed me something. Johnny's expression kind of like softens and then maybe a little bit of sympathy. There is something awful that is about to happen in New Haven. Awful. I saw the streets running red with blood. What's about to happen here? There's about to be a war amongst my kind. I serve the domain here. New Haven is under the control of a group of kindred known as the Camarilla. They are not kind people, but they keep the peace. For the most part, they ensure that life amongst mortals continues without problem, and that no vampire oversteps its bounds in feeding off mortals. We are being invaded by another group called the Sabbat. They seem to revel in being monsters. They're the ones that actually made me a vampire. Sheila speaks up. Johnny, these are the people responsible for Wolfman's daughter? Some I've been talking. You have? Yeah. That's what I do. They're the ones that kidnapped her. I was the one that put her down. All of them. Make like an oof look. (laughs) (laughs) But kind of nod. I I brought her back to the woods and let let them know that it was me. Sheila speaks up again. Well, at least that one, he's got a bone to pick with these people you were going to war with. And I don't think he's going to need a pickup truck to get there. Would he be willing to speak with me? Uh, I don't know about that, Johnny. But I know he's willing to hurt vampires. Sheila, if you can talk to him and let him know that I would be interested in having a conversation, I will meet him and have that conversation. I'll do my best. Tell him that I am willing to direct him to a place where he can hurt the most vampires. Specifically the ones that kidnapped his daughter. Suarez speaks up. I understand your folk have a war with their folk. But I'm in no rush to presume one group's innocence over another. And to be frank with you, I haven't forgotten about Hell House either. And I'm getting a little concerned listening to this because it's making me start to think that people are going to forget about it. And so long as that blight is here, New Haven is going to just keep getting sick and things are going to keep getting worse. You're not wrong. That house needs to be purged. I spent some time at the hospital, as I'm sure you're aware. I'm glad that you're out of it. Well, I'm glad that I went, which I know sounds stranger, but I heard things from the other people that were staying there. There's a lot of stories that are coming out. People are getting nervous. People are getting sick with infections that are baffling doctors. A fungus? During my stay, I overheard a conversation with what I presume are members of the CDC. And there is a quiet interest that's been taken in this region. Not just New Haven, but Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut... 
New York. There's apparently some sort of microbial that's been identified and is causing questions. I think the answers to those questions lie in Hell House. Answers to those questions? Well, we're not just fighting some entity that's going to brawl us until it can't move anymore. It's a sickness. You want to study this sickness? Jessica speaks up. Actually, Daddy, I do. You do? If we destroy Hell House before we have the answers that we need, it would mean that we're just putting a band-aid over the situation. Baby, my, my kind have tried to study this thing. I, I, it, it defies us at every step. The greatest minds amongst the Camarilla couldn't fucking figure it out. It, it consumed their entire chantry. Daddy, I'm here for a reason. I don't know exactly what that is, but based on the path that we've been on, this might be it. Okay. He kind of looks at her, and the the sympathy that he had for hearing that she had visions, knowing all too well what rampant visions can do to someone, it shifts a little bit, and he gives her a look of a look of confidence kind of bites back his mistrust of of why visions come to people and the occult mysteries of the world and he just kind of gives her a, a nod all right how do you what do you need me to do to help you get the answers you want she kind of gives uh a smile i need access to yale facilities we can set up a lab. Maybe some sort of a sample can be contained there. And if I could get the time to study it, maybe we can figure out some kind of answer to it. I don't know if that's actually... I don't think the Yale facilities capable of studying this are there anymore. She kind of... Her face cracks a little bit at the the idea that this accomplishment that she's built up and pondered over and over and over again is sullied. Daddy, I, I... But Yale has labs. They do. And this thing, this piece of the Elder was already there being studied. And I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but it grew into a beast that after it was finally put down, engulfed the entire lab facility in otherworldly flame. I do not think any of the labs capable of studying this thing survived. Ramirez speaks up. Jesse, I don't think he's making this up. We gotta pivot. What about this? He looks to the group. I'm not the fighter, I'm not the tactics guy, I'm not really anything. But I do know, he looks at Jesse... Every time you've looked and surveyed a situation and examined a monster we were dealing with, you've been able to figure out how to beat it. You've always figured out a plan after some time studying it and figuring it out. Maybe you don't need a lab. Maybe, maybe we should stop relying on science here and just have faith that you'll see its Achilles heel. Suarez looks super annoyed at the notion <laughs> of just looking at it and having that be the answer. But Jesse kind of nods. 
What I can do is I can give you all of the all the the information I have regarding this thing so far. I can give you a account, a first-hand account of this beast, what it did, and what it's capable of. And when we figure out how we're going to hit this house, which we are doing very soon, I can make sure that you are pretty. I don't know if I want to get you close to this thing, babe. Jessica, I'd, I barely got out of fighting this thing last time. And it takes a lot to put me down. But it didn't, right? It didn't. Alright, she takes a deep breath and looks you square in the eye. Can you do it again? I can. Then we have a plan. Suarez looks over what you put together. Everything in that uh, storage unit is yours. If you want to keep this unit, that's fine, but the Camarilla knows about its location. I'd recommend that you move all of this equipment elsewhere. I think it's better if me and my kind don't know where you are. Suarez gives a nod. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think we want your Camarilla knowing that the kind have their weapons. That's a good instinct. You aren't wrong about being unsure of the innocence of either group. We're all monsters. I'm just being honest with you about how we treat the mortals. The Camarilla wants things status quo. The Sabbat wants to rule over you as gods. But make, make no mistake, we are all monsters. Don't you worry, Johnny. I'll be keeping that in mind. But thanks. And he heads over and he starts fucking checking weapons. And he's clearly a gun guy because... You know what I mean? He starts going to the, immediately the <laughs> rare weapons, the high quality stuff, and starts. Oh, and Johnny actually kind of starts fumbling in his jacket, pulls out a little necklace with a small glass vial on the end, containing a deep red liquid. And he puts the necklace around Jessica's neck and cl- clips it into place. That there on the end, uh, that's a little bit of my vitae. Your what? My blood. <laughs> so she like she looks at you like she immediately regrets asking. <laughs> uh, look, I um, I know this is weird, but vampire blood has properties that can do all kinds of things to mortals. Least of which is it can heal them, it can give them strength, it can make them incredibly tough, blindingly fast. It, but it is not something that you should be... It's nasty shit. Ramirez kind of gives a nod. Yeah, man. You eat bugs. All that stuff, right? He kind of just gives him a sideways glance. Point is, if you get into a pinch, this could save your life. Okay. She says, kind of putting her hand over the glass. Um, I, uh, I have a few numbers here for you. He goes into his pocket, pulls out a uh, a couple of cards. I've got my uh, my beeper number. Yeah, she makes a face at beeper. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this uh, this number here is for the office that I uh, keep charge of. Do you have uh, an email? He kind of looks at her like, <laughs> it, like God, not you too. Um, 
no, I I don't I don't really uh, mess with computers. The um, I, th- I think they're just too prone to messing up and making mistakes. What? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> Should I be getting an email? He kind of like looks at her like in this like really just like sheepish, innocent way. Ramirez speaks up. Hey, man, you know those weird old vampires that don't get with the times? Yeah. Don't be one. <laughs> Johnny kind of looks down at himself in this moment of self-reflection and kind of just like nods with like an eyebrow up a little bit. Get a cell phone, my man. <laughs> They're tiny. You won't even notice it's on you. Johnny's beeper lights up with <laughs> Wynn's number. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right, I have to get going. We have, um, things we gotta discuss about Hell House and the Sabbat. I will try to be in touch, but, um, I'm gonna try and stay low for a while. I was like, wait, 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 one thing, one thing, really quick. Uh, so I've got a couple vampire friends. I was gonna tell you, and... (laughs) What? I... Oh my god, you're really giving me a dirty look. I'm also friends with you. Wait, so you have other vampire friends that you hang out with? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> One of them, he's kind of went missing. He hit me up, there was some trouble recently, but I haven't heard from them in a little while. How many vampires do you know? I don't know, man. How many vampires do you know? Do a you lot. keep track? Well, I don't, I probably know less than you. <laughs> Alright, who is this vampire that's gone missing? I don't know if I should... I guess I gotta say, his name is Fester. He's an info guy. Uh, Johnny rolls it like <laughs> Johnny rolls his eyes so fucking hard. Fester's a cool dude. You think? I know. <laughs> I think he's kind of a fucking nerd. But all right, all right, beeper guy. Why don't we not pick <laughs> on my friend? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He, like, puts his hands up. Beeper guy. All right, you know what? He t- takes the, unclips the beeper off his uh, his belt and goes, yeah, you think so? And freaking chucks it with bruja it just, efficiency. It just goes, no one hears it land. <laughs> it's just gone off into the night. By the, end of, by the, by the end of the night, I'm going to be a cell phone guy. So there. All right, okay. Somewhere in the woods, okay. Chaps now has a beeper. I'm just saying, if you hear anything from Fester, he was really worried someone was following him. All right. I'll see what I can do about trying to find Fester. All right, thanks. And like, I do kind of owe him one. He gives you like, he like he starts to like give you like a fist bump, but like he, he decides not to. It's cool. All right. Like I said, I gotta get going. I gotta meet up with the rest of my coterie. Jessica gives a hug. Be safe. You too, baby. Um, I was gonna warn you to stay away from me. I was um. I was embraced by the Sabbat just to destroy things. I'm really good at that. I don't know if I can tell you to stay away from me. I don't know if I want you to stay away from me. Well then, I was chosen to build a better world. And I see you in it. So please be safe. I hope to God that you're better at building a better world than I am at destroying things. I hope so too. He grabs her head and like plants a kiss on her forehead and just holds... Holds her there for a good long time. Suarez speaks up. All right, guys, we got to get this stuff going. Johnny, thanks again. You got it, Suarez. Jane's doing all right. I know that you two have a relationship. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. All you guys, um, 
If you need anything, you reach out to me and I will I will drop what I'm doing to make sure that I am there to help. Sheila, you let um our mutual friend know that I want to talk to him. And I'll uh, I'll see what I can do about Fester Ramirez. Alright, good meeting, guys. Sheila says to the crew. <laughs> I love you, Jessica. Stay safe. Johnny kind of watches them all kind of like start moving some of the things out of the storage unit, kind of nods, hops up into his truck, lights morally up, and then uh, heads out to be able to call Win back. Or in fact, actually, he probably knows where she's headed. She's headed back to the uh, to the Elysium. So he's gonna head to, head there to meet up with the rest of the coterie. Uh, you catch glimpses of them like grabbing the weapons, and Jesse heads over and corrects Ramirez's poor trigger discipline and like. Well, he's like fucking with a gun and you know they seem to they seem to thrive together and you head for Elysium in preparation for the meeting that the coterie had planned Britta drives Neil over to Elysium using the I'm sorry it's not brown Miles what color is it uh, that would be sunstone bronze thank you Miles the sunstone bronze beamer that he had gotten her right when she had arrived to New Haven. And they park along the way towards the office. Britta stops and quickly socializes with a couple of the Torridor, making sure that they know when the training times that she and Miles had set up for them are and what they need to bring. Anything like that. And she meets back up with Neil. Is he setting about any objectives quickly? Neil, who was honestly just kind of excited to be the only other person in the car because it means he got to sit in the front seat. He did. Did he have to be coerced that he could, was allowed to sit in the front seat? No, it's like that little kid thing where you're like, there's only two of us. That means I automatically get shotgun. <laughs> like, no, he was maybe a little too excited for a grown man to sit in the front seat of a car. <laughs> As he was waiting for Britta to finish talking to the Toreador, because he just kind of reflexively avoids big groups of Toreador. And it might be a little worse for him even because... Britta seems to have put even more effort in. She always dresses nicely for court, and she has a modern, soft, feminine style that you recognize to be hers. But for some reason, she seems to have upped it lately, kind of putting more emphasis on being put together and even the quality of what she's wearing. So in a way, she's looking even more Toreador than usual while having these Toreador conversations. Neil, who had to be convinced not to just wear his ash-stained tuxedo again, Mm. is just wearing a pair of, like, black slacks and a maroon sweater and just is standing off to the side. And while he's standing off to the side, he's casting around nervously because this is the first time he's been back in a big group since he got back. Sort of whether or not they're there is seems to be assuming that everybody is, like, staring at him whether or not they are, and is staring back around, sort of trying to place faces and weird outsiders. And he's not like full on eyes of chaos, like, let me see everything, but sort of the the mundane precursor, paranoid precursor to that. Just kind of waiting nearby, occasionally throwing glances specifically back at the Toreador, waiting until Britta gets back. She does her best to be confident and encouraging and to... See if she can genuinely express that she'd like these Toreador here to strengthen themselves. And it's kind of catching one of those glances from Neil. She makes her way back to him. And 
starts angling towards the office, but seems to want to kind of talk on the stairs. Just the words of, you doing okay? Um, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm fine. Everything. I just felt weird. Uh, I, you know, spent a lot of time in the city avoiding having to go to this office. And now, you know, it's just, it's just different is all. Well, you're kind of radiating nervousness. In like a usual way or like in a more pointed way or what? I'm just, I don't know, I feel awkward. I feel uncomfortable being back. Like, um, I don't know if this is just me or if this is actually what's in the air, but it, it, I feel like everyone thought I was dead and it would have been easier if I was. So they're like weirded out that I'm here, but I, I can't tell if that's just in my brain or if that's actually the atmosphere. I'm, the thing is, I get it, but also, um, before, you could kind of just step back and expect that people weren't going to look at you. And I'm not sure if that's the case now. I don't think it is. I feel like an animal in a cage with nowhere to hide. So what I'm kind of telling you is, um, I'm hoping that maybe you can be a bit more confident here. <laughs> um, well, if you got any tips on how to do that, uh, like, like actionable things to do, then I'll, uh, try and implement those as best as, as best as possible. But I, I um... Right now, I just kind of want to get behind closed doors uh, and out of this room, if that... Yeah, we, we can do that. Uh, I'll come back out, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, do, I'll, do, I'll do rounds or, or something. So I don't, know, I don't know what the... I don't have a... I don't know. Maybe just kind of stop wringing your hands. Neil instantly puts his hands at his sides way too stiffly, just shoots them down towards the floor, and then begins to walk... In an extremely, like, clearly overthinking about how you use, how your arms move when you walk naturally, and therefore you are fucking the whole thing up, because you're overthinking basic autonomous function. Britta holds her tongue and moves towards the office. Neil reaches out and just sort of opens the door for her, because he, he got there first, and just pulls the door open to go into the prince's office. And Britta takes a couple steps in and... Looks around. I don't think she's really been here since it was Roland's office. Miles is sitting behind the desk, looking at a few pieces of paper that he's strewn about the desk at this point, just concentrating on them. And then, he, but he is glaring at you as you're coming in without knocking. As he glares, <laughs> it hits you in his office, behind his desk, up over his head. Behind where he glares at you from, there is a painting, a complete painting, and it is a beautiful work of art consisting of flowing, though pale, colors, and you notice this blackness that engulfs it like this dark corona, and seeping from that black pitch halo are veins that seep into the other colors, muting them further. And you find yourself drawn to this painting. I need you to make a check mm -hmm. to not lose yourself to it. Yep, yep. This is self-control, correct? Indeed. The difficulty of this roll will be eight. No successes. Redder walks forward 
and mindlessly leans on the desk, putting her hand on it, by the way, Miles, and gazes up at the painting, lost to its power. The glare subsides after he realizes who's coming into the office. Neil closes the door behind and notices in order Miles' glare, then the painting, and doesn't almost seem to notice Brit's reaction yet because he's too busy apologizing to Miles. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't think about... We were supposed to meet. I didn't know. I, I shouldn't knock next it's, time, right? It, it's I, probably a good idea just to knock in general. I'm so sorry. That's fine. Britta, she's falling further into seeing the painting, and the emotions that evokes in her seems to be clinging on to the edge of the desk, as if, like, touching something solid could be a comfort, but her grip is tight, and... She seems more and more distraught at the representation in front of her. Because if I'm remembering from the other scene, it, it feels like a uncanny s- certainty of his diablerie and what it means and the stain on his soul. And despite that having been covered recently, this makes it feel so real and... She knows that it's true. She can't argue with the feelings that these, that the painting is evoking in her. And being Toreador, she is falling, falling, falling further into it. That's uh, a hell of an artistic choice, Miles. Yeah. It's a choice among many as he walks around the desk and starts to shake her a little bit because she's seeming to get um, weirder. She's getting more intense, I guess, is the question. (laughs) Neil's just still looking up at the painting, not 100% noticing it. There is like a reflexive half step back as Miles comes around the desk in their direction. But he's still looking up at it like that's, um, uh, who who did that? Who's the, Uh, was was this a commission? As far as I know, it was an artist named Vicky and she wasn't originally commissioned, but... Marcus mm. Vitel paid her to finish it and give it to me. Uh-huh. Anyways, I start trying to, like, move her and put myself between it, the, the painting, and her. Does the shaking break through? Yes. I'm presuming this is, what is this, like, hands on shoulders gentle? What is this? It, it starts softer, but after, like, depending on how long this takes, it might get increasingly harder as if she's not responding, like... All right, come on. How long can see how hard you're shaking the air, Tim? I think he just barely starts to really shake you (laughs) before you notice. And then you, you know, are hit with the feelings of a Diablo scrapping you. (laughs) Britta, once the shaking gets a little rougher, makes a small sound of startlement, fear, intimidation. And the way that she was gripping the edge of the desk kind of transfers over to the lapel of your suit. And she kind of shrinks before she realizes it's you. Miles is already let go of her. She she manually kind of makes herself ungrip his suit, kind of puts her gaze towards the floor and says, Sorry, I am... That's going to be really hard for my clan, for that to, to be there. Kind of the point, isn't it, though, Miles? I mean, the, your clan is the one that painted it in the first place. What was the name of the painter? Uh, it was Victoria Summers. She had it out in the Elysium not too long ago. You don't think that maybe she's the mole that we're looking for? 
I mean, she could be. I have no way to verify these things. I don't recognize that name. Is she new? Is she one of the princes? She came with the entourages. She came with the princes. Correct. From what domain? I believe it was DC. Isn't that where the Marcus Marcus Vitell is? Yes. I guess we should keep an eye on both of them, but... Yes, please. Uh, He's looking directly at Neil. (laughs) I've only got so many eyes. Well, we should find some other people to help you out. I... I can start looking at more people that way. That'd be that good. That would be great. Um, I, well, I'll need some cover because it's what kind of just as obvious when I do it as when Neil does it. Actually, maybe more obvious because if I'm kind of sulking at the back, that's gonna... We can always do it from the balcony at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I guess people are probably used to me just being a wallflower, so it's easy enough to... Well, anyway. Miles, are you keeping this here? That's the intention, yes. Brita seems disquieted and doesn't really seem to like that answer and chooses the chair that faces the most away from the desk to sit down in. It's not my favorite choice, but... You put it directly behind your chair. It's effective. That's fair. I mean, if she was showing out to the whole Elysium, then that's... It's already out. There's not really... I mean, you can't squirrel it away because that makes you seem guilty but now i mean literally everyone who looks at it knows that you are a diablerist so it's and if other toydor are in here and they see it and they react like me you 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 probably should just kind of let them wait it out because it's really i mean i i don't mind they thank you for not making me look at it any longer but you're getting distressed maybe you can get like a little curtain for it well it's just you shouldn't you shouldn't touch toydor when they're like that they get really mad. I thought you're not just supposed to touch people in general. That's like a... Neil, do you remember when I was really new and well, Elsa had that exhibition of modern art and you kind of tried to get a chair for me and... The reaction of the Torador at that moment is seared into my brain and will be with me in the moments that I die. Okay, I didn't mean to bring it back to the back of your eyelids, but Miles, that's kind of what I'm talking about is that that could be something that would be a problem. Just just giving you an FYI. It's like a, like a play etiquette thing, I guess. Yeah. Here's a question. Miles is a busy guy. Is it supposed to wait or should... should ooh, you should have a, a designated rude person to some, wake somebody up like a like an etiquette scapegoat. Was that... On or, that or note. Or just let them... <laughs> <laughs> Wynne is heard before she is seen because she sees the portrait from the door and just winds up saying... Dick me dead and bury me pregnant. What the fuck is that? And right. she just kind of walks in, rolling her eyes at the portrait. As I was telling the other two, it was painted by a Torridor by the name of Victoria Summers <sighs> out in Elysium. And where is she buried? Nowhere, because that would be not doing me any favors currently. I yeah. mean, I could try and just say hi and see what she's about. You should probably do that. Yeah, that would be... When I was, I was saying to Miles that there's, you know... And I was saying that, I guess, if that was being painted in Elysium, you know, hiding it isn't really like a, that's not good, but then also, whatever. It'll also unsettle other princes, you which said, is working in my favor. You apparently. said Marcus Vitale paid to finish it? Yep. Commissioned it? Yes, he Why did. is it in here, then? Because he paid to finish it to give it to me after we had our And you chose to put exchange. it in here rather than display it fully in Elysium. I really don't like him. I've never met him. Okay, so what I'm going to say about this, and then I'm going to be done talking about this fucking painting. Mm -hmm. The wise man 
when spotting an acquaintance at the nude beach covers his face, not his genitals. So I guess it makes a weird kind of sense. What? That does not strike me as nude beach etiquette at all. Well, no, because nobody at the nude beach is smart enough to cover their genitals. The wise person says, okay, if they don't know it's me, it doesn't matter if they see my dick. But if, like, you're both at the nude beach, isn't it okay to be there? You know what? I get her But some people may find... Okay, Miles gets it. Some people are going for an anonymity. We can just drop it. It's fine. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I've never been to a nude beach. You should go. I'll take you. (sighs) Where is the rave being held? Not a nude beach. a nude beach? I don't know. I guess we have to talk to Johnny about that. I I feel like a rave at a nude beach would just be a Uh, great way to protect against weapons. I feel like that's an okay thing for you, but a ton of naked brouhaha just on a beach getting real angry. It feels primal and appropriate. You know, it's not my rave, so I don't really get to choose, but I'd rather not. I I guess it's up to Johnny? I think it actually is. Neil has, like, totally lost whether or not we're talking about metaphors or if this is actually on the table. I'm waiting for him to call me back, but... Oh, also the um, the crime scene. We need to pay someone to get in and clean tonight, and keep them quiet. And then, oh, you're um, you're Doctor Broken Handon, the trauma psychologist now. All right, Um, Johnny pointed out that maybe you being known as Davenport isn't appropriate. A good point, and yeah, we have some ghouls on retainer to clean up exactly these kind of things. Hasn't the whole rave already been planned, and is that a real ass name, or...? I mean, I... My... This is telling you way more about my dad than he would probably want you to know, but he did have a proctologist named Dr. Brokenhanden. I'm sorry, what? It was German. That wasn't the problem. I don't know what it's German for, if that's what you're asking. No, no. I think it's German for broken hand, isn't that... You've associated me with a proctologist? It's a, do you like blame a really me? Specialized degree. It's not that. Anyways, like, do you want people to think of you and cringe, or think of you and smile? Can we maybe get that done tonight? Or that's the appointment is up to the good doctor here. We'll get it done as soon as we can. I just mean that the longer they have these memories, the more likely it is that they'll talk to their family and friends about it. There's already candles for memorializing the victims of this, so I mean, it's it was. It's going to be a hard sell to get this one this is gonna be... out of the brain. There's going to be trauma associated with this, regardless of whether they remember it or not. The we killing can read spree the... is still in the, fa- in, in, the, in the city anyways, and From... with, with the dozen or so packs that are coming up, well, this is just going to be like a nightly occurrence pretty soon. The, the culprits that the victims were able to put eyes on, they left three alive seemingly on purpose, that were, sounds like Delgado and four identical motherfuckers. I've seen those identical motherfuckers that, 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 they're, so they're already here then. Sure sounds like it. Because they were, that elevates timetables in my head. The, the Sabbat are here, here. Now, who knows what other packs are around? I mean, you have the list. You would know which packs are around. I do, and when I got the list not that long ago, they were down in New York, unless there's multiple groups of identical motherfuckers, but that would seem coincidental to stretch belief. Is that a thing the Sabbat does? Do they embrace multiples, or...? Uh, I don't know. Anyways, uh, I guess, so, a rave is, rave is important, although I also wanted to talk about that, because I'm having second thoughts about going down fighting with Pendragon after uh, the other night, so... Well, what do you we... mean, going down fighting with Pendragon? I saw us down there, doing it, and then... What, like a vision? 
Yeah. The, uh, the other night when, when you I were s- cackling. I don't remember that part, but I, I do remember sort of it's uh, touch and go, but I remember what I saw some of it. And yeah, we were down there and we were fighting, you know, side by side, back to back with Pendragon. And, and, and I think, I think Jan Peterson was there. I, I, can't, I can't remember. Do you uh, want to pause this till Johnny gets here so you don't have to go through it multiple times? I guess so, yeah, probably. I, I don't know. Has anyone tried paging him? He, he, he always has his beeper on him. I did a little while ago. I He's got a lot of things going on. He'll be here. Contact us. He was there's a, the there's a big scene. thudding knock at the door. Enter. So, oh, so that's that's what you kind of want to... Well, any kind of knock. You don't door, have to do his specific. The door okay. opens up and uh, Johnny Saxon comes walking through. Uh, he has a box for a cell phone that's kind of like half opened um, that he's kind of looking at like, how the, why the hell do they make these things so damn hard to open up? You can see that he's still got blood that's kind of dried and caked on like the edges of his face that like he's kind of wiped out of the way. Johnny, are you okay? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I figured I'd join the modern era here. When Finally gets frustrated with trying to open the thing normally and just powers it open with potence and just tears open the phone and goes tumbling across the uh, the floor. Wynn kind of like actively leans away from Johnny and she looks at him hard and she said, Johnny, when we were drinking at the bar, what were you drinking? What? What were we drinking at the bar, Johnny, if that's who you really are? <laughs> Britta winced at the big pop uh, from the container and had just kind of shielded from the cell phone, but is watching this conversation like ping pong back and forth. He, he throws the, the packaging in the in Miles' trash container, goes over and grabs the phone. Are you talking about the other night when we were getting hammered on tequila? She relaxes a little bit. Neil had also yeah. leaned away at first, like, wait a minute. But more quickly recovered and realized it was Johnny as soon as he was like, fuck this goddamn packaging. Like, it's, that was the moment where he's like, okay, no, that's Johnny. Did Johnny you? glances at the painting above uh, Miles. Good God, that thing's uglier than I remember. And then goes over to the corner and grabs a seat into a leather armchair. Did you buy that phone at a gas station? Uh, yeah, well, uh, it was more like a little convenience store. Jesus. Bodegas thing. They, he said that this one was pretty uh, durable. You know, I could give you a cell phone with a number. You wouldn't have to go through all of this. Well, this one's got a number, I, th- I think. Oh, my God. Johnny's, like, fumbling through the instruction he manual. He seems more disgusted than he's been the whole time. Miles <laughs> <laughs> M- kind of made, like, a closet for us with, like, cell phones and pagers and stuff. You got a, a cell phone closet? Yes, because... Do you guys go through cell phones at a prodigious rate? I still have the first one you gave me. Oh, You're not no, the only person I here. I don't lose cell phones. It's my Wait. first one. I've only lost the one. Me too, I think. Um, oh, mine's still off, but... I feel like you're proving my point here. Path of Night is a Vampire the Masquerade podcast set in the world of darkness. Britta Ashcroft, the Toreador, was played by Rebecca Segelfest. Johnny Saxon, the Bruja, was played by Garrett Gabby. Miles Davenport, the Venture, was played by Tim Davis. Neil Foster, the Malkavian, was played by Rob Meerhead. Wynn Cabot, the Gangrel, was played by Erica Webb. Your storyteller was Lex Lopez. Recording by Rebecca Stagelfest. This episode edited by Rob Meerhead. The music used in this episode was composed for Path of Night by Brian Metolius. Find him online at brianmetolius.com. Path of Night uses the 20th anniversary edition of Vampire the Masquerade with a few limited house rules. Vampire the Masquerade and the World of Darkness are owned by Paradox Interactive. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
We can be found on YouTube at youtube.com slash at path of night. You can help support the show on coffee.com slash path of night. Find us on twitter.com slash path of night pod on facebook.com slash path of night podcasts or email us at path of night podcasts at gmail.com. See you next time, kindred. you have the most like one like awful like colloquialisms that one's my fault that one's from rebecca <laughs> but like, like i heard this and i heard win saying it no it was but, but people usually you know say colloquialisms are usually like wow in that hotter than a tin roof in alabama well, like you know like, my grants. Yeah. but no you're the fucking dick me dead and carry me pregnant that's awful hell <laughs> i heard it in a wrestling Christ. movie and i was mm-hmm. like erica requires this <laughs> That's, that's that's a fucking Erica Winnism I've mm-hmm. ever heard. It. <laughs> and she rolls her eyes.